DW. So we suffer in uh, what is called energy poverty. You know, two out of three Africans currently don't have access to electricity, for example. And we're also living through an unprecedented health and economic emergency at the moment. Governments are introducing fiscal and risky packages. But in a, in a, in a continent where a good number of the population don't have a stable job, don't have access to reliable uh, electricity, don't have much of a res- resilience to talk about. What we need to be thinking about is how can we effectively support these communities uh, and these countries so that they can be able to meet their sustainable energy access, which is, I think, the first and un- unoverriding uh, priority, but do it in a way that they can actually be able to develop and not contribute to the impact of climate change. As we develop, uh, you know, as this continent develops, we will have to choose to develop along a zero carbon path. And which African countries do you think are best placed to make use of renewable energy? The whole continent has access to solar energy. There's huge potential of wind energy. In East Africa, we have the huge potential of geothermal energy. And different parts of the Af- continent also have access to hydropower. I can't think of a single African country that isn't blessed with renewable energy power. What we haven't had is an effective strategy that allows the continent to actually effectively exploit the renewable energy power that exists. I'm curious why we should expect that development in Africa will look different than it's looked everywhere else in the world in terms of fossil fuel use. We can actually develop our energy without necessarily developing in the way the OECD countries have actually developed. And and the fact that we're not locked into fossil in Africa, which is going to only present as a dead end in development when you factor in the impacts climate change is going to cause, we can address our climate crisis by helping this continent radically shift away from centralized fossil fuel energy towards diverse, distributed, you know, people-centered renewable energy sources. And we just need to seize the moment. I'm just curious when we see projects like this $20 billion natural gas project in Mozambique, it seems those pressures from fossil fuels are still very much present. So what is it going to take or what is going to be required so that Africa doesn't fall into those same patterns of fossil fuel investments? There are those sectors of the economy, but also some of the investors who want to lock Africa uh, down a dirty path and, and don't want Africa to leapfrog to the 21st century energy sources. I think there is also hypocrisy on the part of the energy donors and investors because they want to fund dirty projects in Africa. And this is a challenge and that we need to actually tackle. Uh, this idea that you can only be able to invest taxpayers' money from the UK, for example, to support dirty fossil fuels in Africa is wrong. And I think we need to challenge these donors to ensure their f- investment in Africa are consistent with their you know, climate objectives. If, for example, the UK has committed to net zero by 2050, then its investment and its financial flows must be consistent with a pathway that allows for zero carbon development, not just in the UK, but in the rest of the world. I think a growing movement of people and countries are calling for equitable, effective science-based solution to climate change. And the basic idea is simple. 
that those who became wealthy while causing climate change should compensate those who did not and who currently bear its worst effects. And that will include compensating Africa and incentivizing Africa to leave its fossil fuels in, in the ground and exploit you know, the abundant resources we have in, in renewable energy. Do you think climate reparations are needed? And, and what would those look like? These countries that have grown rich by polluting must take responsibility and pay for their climate debt so that the poor can actually take a, div- a different development path than the ones taken by the rich, but also develop the resilience that they require. You know, we know across Africa and in other vulnerable geographies like the small island states, we're suffering the impacts of climate change. I brought up the topic of climate reparations recently with a few people I know, and the reactions to it were pretty strong. And I'm curious how you think that goes from just being a fledgling conversation to being something that is actually happening at an international policy level. So for me, it comes to justice. You know, it comes down to justice. So if we believe that the polluters should pay, then we must argue for reparations. That those who are responsible for causing climate change shouldn't be allowed to shake that responsibility. Similarly, we believe as an organization that in contributing to a solution like transitioning to a zero carbon future, we must distinguish between countries on the basis of their capacity to act so that those with the greatest capacity can be asked to actually shoulder the greatest burden. At the end of the day, we're talking about the global commons. You know, This atmosphere, which is a God-given resource, is one that must be available to every citizen of the planet. DW.